Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, are we Light the Fight? This is Light the okay. Fight. Light the Fight, here we are. Just want to make sure because I've been a little scatterbrained lately. No, More you, than haven't been, you haven't been scatterbrained. You've been like laser focused on, over, on something besides Light the Fight. Okay, because I've been laser focused on one thing, everything else has suffered. There so you go. That happens apology, to me all the time. Apology to my <laughs> wife, all my clients, everybody in my life. I'm uh, going to be back next week. But mentally, just I mean, just one more time, just tell people what your laser focus has been. Oh, I'm I've been honored to be chosen to give uh, Salt Lake a Salt Lake City TED Talk, TED X Talk. You know, got to throw in the X, so that's right. But Keep yeah, get it right for it's the minor lot. leagues of the TED Talks, you know. But Big Ted is going to share it. So yeah, I've been laser focused on the TED Talk. It's this Saturday and. Who knows, we may babble on for a long time, but this may be a little bit of a shorter podcast so I can get in and out and hopefully get some sleep tonight. I haven't gotten good sleep in a little while. All right, do you feel do you feel nervous? No, not well, I was feeling nervous up until about a day ago and then all of a sudden these pair of shoes showed up at my house. And I'm not a joking. Pair, this a is, pair of shoes? Yeah, so these shoes I'm weren't play, just regular shoes, the, Koi. Well, tell night. me about the shoes. Yeah. Um, no, if you haven't, if, if you don't follow me on Instagram. You uh, should. Oh, well, thank you, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> and then follow the dog, too. Oh, the, definitely follow the dog if you want to see my cute dog <laughs> and my kids. Um, but, yeah, so... So I thought, and I got Heidi's permission, I thought that how cool would it be when I'm up on the stage, my TED Talk, to not just be wearing a pair of shoes, but we'll be wearing a pair of shoes that have her son. and A pair of what kind of shoes? Vans, old school, which are basically the low top version of the skate highs, and uh, the most classic version of Vans you could imagine. But it wasn't just good enough to be wearing the Vans because for those of our listeners that go way back with Heidi and I, we are connected through Vans. It was this amazing story how her son and I just found that one thing to relate upon. And then after that, you know, the rest was history. We connected from there. And so Heidi and I, we are always rocking the Vans. And for me, I knew I was going to wear Vans on stage, but I'm wearing a suit up top, but with Vans. <laughs> Some people may not like that style yeah. for me. I love it. It's good. So, uh, but yeah, I was like, I know I got to wear Vans and then uh, our producer, Brandon, he's got a great friend that does amazing custom shoe design. In fact, he designed Which I happen to own a, a very beautiful pair of Corey Wolf shoes that are gorgeous. And so I was like, man, could he do me a custom pair? Next thing you know, Brandon's at my house giving me these shoes that say Corey on the back of one heel and that say Cave, the fine, beautiful young man that we've also lost to suicide um, on the other heel. And I tell you what, Heidi, when I got those shoes and opened them up, First of all, I got the chills. And then I walked into my garage, I closed the garage door, and I wanted to practice my talk just right then. Like I, just, I want to say it out loud. As soon as I said that, all the nerves went away. I nailed it. Didn't even have, when I say one mix-up, because 
once you memorize something, then you can ad lib. So each time I say it different, it was the smoothest, most version of me that I was just talking. It wasn't like I was giving a talk. It was just me talking like I normally talk, but it was memorized. And ever since then, kid you not, every time I do it, it's like I could I could do it right now. I jump on, I wanna do it right now. I wanna jump on the stage right now. I'm so excited to do it. But you know, natural nerves. I was nervous up until I got the shoes. As soon as I got the shoes, peace, gone away. I feel like I got some serious guardian angels behind me. So I'm not alone. Like going into it, I feel their strength. I know their strength in numbers. I know I'm not going on that stage alone. Whether that be kooky or not, no one can tell me otherwise because that's exactly what I felt when I saw the shoes and when I gave the talk after that. So I am pumped. I'm ready. But I love what you said. You said it went from kind of being, I don't, do you remember what you said just a second ago when we were talking before we started recording? You said something like the whole bully thing and the, well, you, you kind of went from it being like nervous because this was a big deal to knowing this was your, this was your chance or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, like most people don't like bullies, but in my work that, that I work with, usually I'm just helping someone one-on-one and I, I'm pretty quiet, like publicly, like I'll speak to like a don't freak out event. Well, for that moment I'll speak, but I'm not an activist for suicide prevention. I'm not um, someone screaming at the rooftops because there's people to do that. Like, that's just not me to be like, you got to take this serious. And, and so I just kind of lay low, lay low. But I felt like now it's, this is my shot. Like this is the chance for me to go first, like to be out there. And it's taken me a little while to feel comfortable being out on stage where it's all about me. And so now I'm gonna come out there swinging. Like I get to be out front and just go for it. And the mentality that I have right now is, I've been sitting back waiting to share this stuff and now I'm just gonna just wham. Like I'm I'm coming out with it and I'm so excited. I've never been, I, I can say this, I've never been more confident in anything in my life. Like I'm so confident. I know it's the shoes, everything came together and I put in the time. Going on vacation, hey, by the way, if anybody gets a TED Talk, go on a vacation two weeks before you get, go, get the TED Talk. I thought it was a bad idea. Every morning I'm practicing on the beach. It got me so much more practice time, relaxed without me have worrying about work ever stress. Memorized a talk? Never. Because I have never. I mean, I just kind of, I just talked. Talk I've never heart, memorized anything this... longer than 24 hours, <laughs> like for a test or anything. <laughs> so. So. I mean, I gotta say, props to you. I I can I can attest to everybody listening. David has been. I mean, when did you try out? March? Uh, I think it was May. I thought it was like February. No, no, we submitted it originally like in April, and then the second one was in May, and then they chose in June. Because that's still working in other places way before. I mean, it's been going on. Like this, the lead up up to this. (laughs) A lot of build up. And um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm, I'm super. This sounds stupid, like I'm your grandma or something. I'm just real proud of you. I mean, I'm really proud. I know what you mean. I'm really proud of you. And um, right before we started, right before we started talking, David goes, "I'm ready for the fight." You know, and obviously the podcast is called "Like the Fight," and you know, for me, this is a fight, and um, it's a good, it's a good stage. It's a good ring to be in. And a lot of eyes 
can be on there. And um, that's what I that's what I hope for. You well, you're, you're going through a similar thing is you train, like, let's say I was an actual fighter. Let's use that metaphor. I, I'm a big fan of MMA. Well, they go through training camps that are like nine weeks, you know, three months long, right? Sometimes three months long. And all they're doing for three months is just slowly timing to peak at the right moment. And then they get to the point where they just want to go out and fight. But up until that, they're working out their insecurities, all their holes and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I felt like was now I was hoping I'd be peaking at this time, but to actually feel it happening, I'm so excited. A little personal confession. Um, I Since I got the call from the TED Talk till now, I've lost over 25 pounds. And the way I lost 25 pounds, intermittent fasting, keto, stuff I've done before, I just did it with so much more intensity now. I've never felt healthier physically. My mind is sharp. So I did all, I checked all the boxes because I didn't want to stand on stage being like, I sold myself short. Like if this is my moment, why not make the best of it? Like I've been doing, I'm 45 years old. I've been doing this for so long. Why get up there and just, I don't want to just give a talk that I want to hurry up and be done with and run off the stage. I want to give a talk that's just a talk version of everything that I always talk about. And so I feel like I'm ready. I'm excited. I couldn't have done it without Heidi and Brandon. Light the fight, all you listeners, because this gives us confidence. And that's what I was going to say with Heidi. You're in the training right now. You're preparing for the fight, but I know it made you smile when you heard me say, I'm ready for the fight. Cause I don't normally talk like that. I normally just kind of sit back like, I'm good. I'm good. I, I like to play it cool, but now I'm like, okay, I'm ready to come out swinging. So I'm looking forward, excited. Hopefully people, don't actually think I'm going to punch them at the TED talk. <laughs> That's might. not what I'm talking they about. Might. I'm not well, into punching. I'm more into choking. That's jujitsu. So. <laughs> I mean, I will say yeah. this. like From the time that we lost Corey, um, I, I knew that the information that you were teaching me needed to, it needed to get shouted from the rooftops. And I knew that that wasn't going to happen when you were one-on-one -on -one with clients, even though I was one of those clients and my kids were one of those clients. And so I didn't want you to like stop doing that, right? And um, it's a big deal um, that you're, that this message, this message in particular is gonna get out there. And that's all I wanted. It's, that's all I've wanted. And so, um, so I'm, I'm pretty hyped. Well, thank you. And, so and I'm glad it's you. Get you. <laughs> uh, and, and I knew what you meant by that, being proud because you're always my biggest cheerleader fan. Like, come on, Dave, push more. And so that's why I said I couldn't have done without you guys because you guys have pushed me. Heidi, mostly you. Um, Brandon supported me throughout all these years. But our listeners, too, just by them keep on listening, yeah. it just – like you said, it just keeps on giving you more confidence. We started out at different levels because I didn't lose my child and I'm working with people who lost their child. So you're in your training and I think we're peaking both at the at the same time, like just in a different way. Like you're peaking in the sense where you're ready to be out in front of it. You're accepting that now, you know, like, okay, this is what my life's goal and journey is. Everything got me up to this point, great vehicle, but now I'm ready to start going in other directions. Yeah. And I think that's great. And yeah. for me, we're just kind of doing the same thing at the same time. So Wonder Twin Powers, activate. <laughs> there you go. Form of help families and parents not freak out. There, there you go. That's what we got to do. Well, so, we got to jump into it because yeah. I know that we want to get you out of here pretty quick. 
And um, also, we got to mention, too, if you guys have not checked out teencounseling.com, don't think about it. Do it. Just Google it. Say, Siri, teencounseling.com. Well, even this week, again, all the DMs. Siri, actually, all, I didn't mean oh, for you to Siri look up teencounseling.com. <laughs> um, all the DMs and emails. I mean, you guys, this back to school stuff, it's real. And it brings out the tough stuff and there's a lot there's been a lot of questions and and actually people who don't listen to the podcast that are reaching out to me saying where can i get help and um teencounseling.com is just a really great solution because you don't have to wait you can try one if it doesn't work you try it again um immediate feedback immediate response um and so i think it's a great place to even start and you can get a discount Yes. Through Light the Fight. Yes. All you got to do is teencounseling.com backslash LTF. That sounds for Light the Fight. Yeah. <laughs> for your 10% first, it's first month, 10% off. So go to teencounseling.com. Don't take our word for it. I mean, let our word help you get there, but go there and try it out for yourself. Give them a call, uh, message them, whatever you need, and just take a look at a new alternative for us to evolve to provide help for our kids where Sometimes we just don't have time in the middle of our soccer schedules to be driving all around and dropping someone off and then having to go in there and talk about our stuff and then go in there and force them to go when they don't want to go. So teencounseling.com backslash light the fight. You know, you know when your child is off. So don't wait. Be proactive. And anyway. All right. So let's jump right into it. So we did a, a talk a little while ago, not a talk podcast. Well, well it was in a talk too. This actually yeah. happened. Like it, I think it. We've talked about this topic, and it really bubbled up in one of our workshops, our most recent workshop. That's what it was at the workshop. Yeah. And I was surprised when everybody started pulling out their pens, started writing it down. They're like, "Can you repeat that?" I'm like, "Okay, we're not because we're in the group part of our workshop for sharing, and everybody wanted me to do like a discussion at that moment. So I promised them we'd eventually talk about it more on a podcast. And we keep talking about it, and actually, we've gotten a lot of requests. Listeners, these listeners, they do not miss a beat. They don't they don't let us slip, man. They don't let us <laughs> and slip. And so there's been quite a few people that said, just a reminder, you said you were gonna talk about that. A lot of people are really intrigued. Now here's the thing. I haven't he I have not heard David. I've heard like little bits and pieces. I've not heard this spiel. So spiel. <laughs> <laughs> You haven't heard the sales pitch? No, I hey, have happiness not. is a tough sell. In my defense, it's tough to sell happiness. <laughs> right. There's a lot easier selling drugs. Continue. But I I will say that several times I've heard you talk about this. It's resonated so And it triggers your curiosity. Deep. Yes. Yes. And so without further ado, take it away. All right. Um, so what happened, we were having a workshop and we we're going around the circle and talking about feelings and all that stuff. And I forget how it got brought up, but there's a husband and a wife and, you know, the husband or the wife came in and or while we were talking, the wife said that um, she has this thing where she, when she gets home late at night, she's she's unsettled. It's hard to go to bed. Hard to go to bed. When... There's a, the house is a mess. Things are not done. Laundry's unfold. You know, whatever. And so, like any good American house mom, she likes to vacuum at midnight. <laughs> and the husband was like shaking his head, and she was like, "I know it's horrible, and I know this, but sometimes it calms me down," which she meant all the time. And he would like kind of poke fun at her, like, "Oh my gosh, this and that." And he was, and so it was like then she then felt here's like what happens though. That what happened was all the women in the room were looking around, like, "You do that." Yeah, I do that. 
what is wrong with us? Why? It's like, can't go to bed without the dishes being done. Can't go to bed if it's not vac- like they're Everyone kind of identified those things. It may not happen every day of the week, but it'll pop up. And for some reason, every logical part of your brain is gone. And the only part that's focused on is like, you must complete this task. We do not know why, but you have to do it. <laughs> and if you don't do it, somehow that's going to equal you not going, being able to sleep all night long. And, and one of two things happens. One thing is like, oh, this is awesome. Check my list. Or the other one is... Why is freaking nobody in this household helping me with anything? I got to do everything. I'm carrying this entire team on my back. Then you're keeping score and you're the only one putting <laughs> so up points one, on the board. You know, one else of those things <laughs> happen. I'm not going to say which one happens, you know. But <laughs> So this was a scenario. She had... Um, she shared this and so he had shared that he's got to do a better job at like not giving her a hard time and making fun of her because we just got done talking about sarcasm and those types of things so they're in that place where they realize okay this is something wrong that not something wrong but something about what she was doing she felt it was out of control for her but she wanted him to support her and he's like well i don't understand it because it's not necessary and sometimes she would do it and then later on she'd be like why did I do that? I didn't need to do it. So sometimes she said it helped her and other times it just made it worse because nothing was going to help at that moment. So when they're talking about that, I just randomly said, well, I don't know if you've heard about this before, but um, certain things that we do are metaphors for something innate inside of us. So for example, I said money is trust. So think about people that you give money to and people that you don't give money to. Usually you trust the one and if you give money to someone and they burn you, it doesn't work out well. Now you don't give them money again if you're smart. Like first time shame on you, second time shame on me. So they lost the trust. So when money is being talked in relationships, specifically between couples, so oh, and parents and teens, in couples that I'd see throughout the years, they'd be fighting because like, you know, the the wife or the husband would say, we need to spend money on this. And the other person would say, well, I don't think we need to spend money on that. Well, it really came down to, in my counseling sessions, they did not trust the other person. And when it came down to money, money is how you sustain life. So if I don't trust you, I'm not going to trust you to keep my life sustained. So therefore, you're not allowed to use my money. And a lot of times I'm counseling couples, money is, if not the number one, it goes up and down in statistics. Money is usually one of the top three things that create divorce and contention in relationships. Could it be that money triggers shame? Well, yeah. And think (laughs) about it. If you feel like you've done bad money in the past, you need more chances to work through it in the future to get better at it. But if your spouse or your partner is thinking, well, I can't trust you from the past. I'm not going to give you a chance to use money again or work with it then you're at a stalemate. Now you're really stuck. So um, so I just simply mentioned to her, so yeah, money equals trust. Food is a metaphor of love. And your home is safety, security. And then I described what was going on from patterns that I'd seen from mothers I'd worked with for years. So what I told her was, I used an example of a mom. And funny thing, I just talked about this today. Um, I used an example of mom years ago, way back in the day. She told me in a conversation one time that she, like this mom, she would, at night before she'd go to bed, she had to go to bed with the lines in the carpet perfect. And she also had to go to bed with all the dishes and countertops spotless cleaning. So when she went to bed, it was ready for someone to walk in the door that was wanted, like she wanted to impress someone or wanted to make people see that, wow, this thing is so in order. 
Well, let me tell you, her personal life and the family, not in order at all. Some things were personal things. Other things was a tragedy that they had no control over. So as we started talking through this, what she started to realize is that if the home, not if, but because the home is a representation, people go home to be safe and to rest and to refuel themselves, recharge themselves so that they go out to the world. But when her family is what she felt was the source of the pain or her not being good enough as a mom was the source of the pain. Being at home felt so chaotic and out of place. She quickly had to find what could I organize and put in order. And if I could have order in the simplest way that the lines of the vacuum are so perfect that I could take a simple breath because I couldn't control, she couldn't control the surroundings and the circumstances. She couldn't control the, the grieving that was happening, but she could control if that carpet had perfect lines in it or not. She didn't realize that at that particular time that she was trying to make herself her home safe. So as we really processed this, she was able to give a story behind it. When she was younger, the only time her house was in order is when people were gonna come over. The mom, it was like, she said, it was like, it was like a trick we played on yeah, people. Yeah, well, we've all been there. Sorry. Right? It's And real. so <laughs> she knew that when people came over, that the house was going to look nice. But when people surprised and came over without her mom and the ability for them to clean it, it was the most embarrassing, shameful thing because they lived in the basement of someone else's house because it was a single mom, single grandmother, single mom. Like there's all these things they're barely getting by financially. So as she got older, when things were out of place in her life, she said, I'm gonna make sure that the house is ready for people to come by so they can see it's not out of place as a cover-up or a distraction. And by the way, this woman's house I'm talking about, beautiful. She did it herself, but it looked like a team of professional designers did it. Gorgeous, to the nines, beautiful. However, once we started to unfold this, she started to realize that it was the vacuuming that she had used as a coping mechanism to relieve enough of her anxiety just to get to sleep. But it wasn't putting out the fire. It was just bring it down to a simmer, but the next day it would go back up. She was acknowledged, she acknowledged that she wasn't addressing the things that made her feel like her house was unsafe. She was just trying to make it look good enough so she could make it to the next day. Because she knew if she woke up the next morning and there's lines of carpets fine, she could start off the day with one less thing to worry about the world exposing her for, for not having it in order. Because in her family, it's such a beautiful house, such a beautiful place. There's people coming and going all the time. So she had people that could stop by at any moment. So then we got into other discussions with other examples in this time. But what had come back from our workshop, so going back to the workshop now, the husband and the wife looked at each other and the wife was like, oh my gosh, this is connecting with me. Because she could see how the days where she felt she didn't accomplish her mother duties and didn't check all those boxes were the days where she felt like she had to come home and clean late at night. So the husband, he starts to get it, he goes, wait a second, can you tell me what to say? Because obviously what I'm saying is completely wrong. I said, yes, it is completely wrong. You do suck at it. But here's what you should say instead. When she came home and he saw she was at, at on edge and frantic, I told him to go to her and say, honey, tell me what, would you like to do the dishes, vacuum and do stuff like that and clean, would that make you feel better? Or would it be better maybe just talk about it and vent about it for a few moments? 
This was the big thing. She always felt she couldn't come to him because he'd had a long day at work. So she really wanted to vent to him and talk to him. But in past interactions, he looked tired and disinterested. But in his opinion, he goes, I'm just exhausted. I want to listen. I just didn't know that's what was happening. So he didn't know. Guys love to fix things, but they got to know what they need to fix. And that's where women have to hold their hand, draw the color, color, you pull up the crayons for them. So he was like, I feel like I'm a failure. And he admitted, he goes, my biggest frustration is she's telling me, I just need to clean that, make me feel better. He's like, what about me? He's like, I'm trying to be here for you. He just wasn't doing it right. And she wasn't communicating it right. So they came up with a plan in that short time. And Heidi, you were there. What they said was from now on, he was going to say, you could do this or you could do that. Just let me know. If you just need me to leave you alone and go into the basement and watch something so you don't feel like you're bothering me because you're vacuuming and cleaning, I'll go do that. But he was telling her he's willing to do it. She said, if he said that to me, I could actually have a better idea of if I really needed to do it or if I just thought I needed to do it. Well, if we go back to a long time ago, we talked about this, like check your motivations. Like why are you doing something? And I think that there's a lot of things that we do and that's one thing that I, that I want to suggest. And I have another question, but I want to wait until you talk about the food. Yeah. But like, why, if you can ask yourself as, as the wife and as the mom, why am I frantically cleaning at night? Is it because tomorrow you've got this lineup of stuff, you're not going to be able to get it done. Maybe somebody is coming over, you know, maybe... You can't even think if it's a disaster or, you know, whatever. Or are you mad and this energy has to go somewhere? So I think that this becomes like this important because it could it could be multiple things. But yeah. if it is because you you're torn up inside the angst and, and you, you can't, can't stop. Yeah. Get it out. Um What's so awesome for that husband to be able to say, I'm here to listen, mic drop, walk away. Because there's a difference between coming home, sitting down, how's it going, good, good, sitting down on the couch, falling asleep, <laughs> you know. I think that in relationships, in marriages, we... We kind of, we want to know what's going on. But you start pelting people with questions. You know, same thing happens. An important distinction too with them and with many couples I've done, some, like I've had similar conversations with, is um, let's use this example, not to pigeonhole women always do this, men always do that, because sometimes it can be the opposite, sure. right? Um, but what was happening is she was coming home wanting to vent to get her stress out like she would talk to a girlfriend she felt like it wasn't received well so her brain was saying i'm not allowed to talk about my feelings because it makes me feel dismissed it makes me feel like i'm not important he doesn't care so i hold it in then i boil up and then i need to put that energy somewhere and i'd go clean but like i said some nights cleaning didn't do it and then she would try to talk to him anyways but because she was already feeling that every word that's coming out of my mouth I have so little time because he's going to be bored and disinterested in me. I have to get it out really fast. But what happened is she would say it so fast, she wasn't really thinking what she was saying. She goes, no, that's not right. Let me correct it. And it ended up making it longer. And then him, on the other hand, he admitted, and a lot of fathers admit this in this scenario, 
it's true. Like I'm like I want to be supportive, but I don't want to sit here for an hour and listen to her try to figure out what she even wants to say. Because as a guy, I start thinking, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? When she doesn't need me to fix it, but I'm trying to fix it, she just needs me to listen, but it's taking her too long to get it out, so I can't listen that long. They were just off, and I've heard this so many times. So there had to be a plan up up front. So when I gave that idea to them, did they not both go, wow, that makes a lot of sense. We should do that, that could work. And the plan was very simple. She needs practice at communicating to him that she even needs to talk. She also needs practice to know what are intentions of cleaning because like you said, sometimes you just need to clean. Sometimes she didn't get to it. But he was making sarcastic remarks, oh, you're cleaning again. And then she was saying, oh yeah, well, you're just going to sit there and tell me that it's bothering you. So instead of it being a thing that they were working together as a partnership, it became disconnection and dissension between them and it would cause it so they didn't want to talk to each other. Mm because they couldn't help each other. She couldn't help him understand her and he couldn't help her with her pain, frustration, whatever it may be. So once we gave him that little, she comes home, he goes, hey, if you wanna talk, I'd be happy to talk. If you wanna clean, you got a green light to do either one. They were excited because I know it's gonna happen because it happened to plenty of people. People have done this will come back and say, I didn't realize how bad I struggle at inconveniencing my husband about something that's important to me. She was walking on eggshells around him. And he goes, I didn't realize how bad. He's doing the same thing. Exactly. I didn't realize how bad that I wasn't listening to what her needs were because I was thinking, how do I fix what's broken? Instead of just saying, I'm actually making her feel broken by acting like that. So I should be saying, hey, tell me what's going on and you're not broken. You just need to like sort some things out. So he was making her feel like validating. She, he was mirroring, you're broken. And then for for her, he, uh, she was actually mirroring that he can't fix and he's not good enough to help her. Now, granted, if you'd known about their family and their kids, they had a lot more going on than the average bear. They have lots of kids right. with a lot of challenges going on. So getting back to that scenario, this is a very common thing, but look at your family or look at your house, the actual house itself as a safety environment. Now, I don't mean a safe environment. The goal is to have a structured, safe environment. If you have something out of place, it doesn't feel safe. So instead of trying to cope with cleaning or doing abstract things, do those things only when they're purposeful. But if you have had lots of anxiety that you have to clean, you're going to have to overcome that. Because that's not a coping skill that's always going to be effective. Because she even figured out, she goes, it doesn't work all the time for me. Because that's not what she needed all the time. Because if we go back just for one second, and I think this is super important. Obviously, cleaning the house is an important part of everybody that lives in the house. It's it's an important responsibility. Like, Or at least it should be. Well, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Most people know it's they better. should, even they don't. You know, you have your areas that are, that are good. You have the areas that aren't. But if checking the boxes needs to happen and you can't get help or it's all on you, you might want to think about how can I get some help yeah. and how can I make those assignments. So the, the if it is a functional issue, you can resolve that. And if it's an emotional issue, then let then dealing with those issues in a more productive way will help the relationship for sure. And we are not the only animal that has this need. So oddly enough, um, 
some of you guys know I, I got a new puppy, and so it means me and the wife been updating ourselves on the dog whisperer, Mr. Caesar Milan, because he's kind of like the dog version of me. I like laugh. I'm like, he makes up funny crap. Like, you know, and so when he was talking, we're listening to the episode, uh, an episode of his the other day, he was saying that your dog needs to be challenged. And then he said, but in order for them to work on those challenges, they have to have proper release of tension, anxiety, and energy. If you do not walk your dog, everything else you're trying to get your dog to do or exercise them continuously, everything you're trying to get your dog to do is gonna be extraordinarily difficult. It will test your patience and you'll probably freak out. And I started laughing going, he could have just put teen in place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just so perfect to human psychology because us as adults, we're doing so much for, so for example, this mom, she's doing so much for her kids. For you to tell her, hey, don't forget to go exercise, do these things today. Otherwise, you're gonna have to clean your house till two o'clock in the morning and then not get any sleep. It wouldn't really register for her. But the fact still remains. If we don't get out and walk ourselves, figuratively or literally, then what we're doing is we're going to stressful situations with too much kennel caged up energy that's really difficult to put in effective places. So our brain goes, cleaning always makes you feel better and it's hard work and it makes you tired, so that can help. But the problem is, is certain things and certain challenges we're going throughout the day, you could clean 50 houses, that ain't gonna help. Mm -hmm. It's gonna just make you feel like you're just going around in circles, like you're on a hamster wheel. So it's very important, like Heidi said, check your intentions, but also have your spouse help you. You can tell your spouse or your partner, hey, listen, can you help me with this? I don't know if you know this, but I freak out about cleaning the house and they'll go, really, you do? <laughs> It'll be a good joke right for a second, but if you're going to them, it's okay. Then you tell them, just like what we talked about here today, use your own version of this. It really helped me if you did this because I need to get better and not using cleaning or being obsessed with things being a certain order because obsessive compulsive disorder is only a problem when it's too much. If you don't have obsessive compulsive disorder, but you used to, then now you're a person who is really passionate about things and likes certain things in order. It's no longer a disorder. Is, you can channel bad, it. Right. Mm -hmm. Some of the best business owners and CEOs are absolutely OCD. But as they get better and navigate through it, they start to just be the person who's really passionate, really driven, and is good at organizing things versus being a person who other people can't work with because they need things in order too much. Like I had one boss, I walked by and moved the chair and he walked by and had to put it back. I started messing with him every now and Mondays, I'd move the chair in a different place. He'd have to put it back, but he had to walk around the whole entire place putting things in order. He wasted 30 minutes. Well, what the heck is the president in the company put, I know that was a bad joke I played on him. <laughs> he deserved it though. That, yeah, that guy was not a very good human being. Point is, this is something that we waste so much time and energy. Think how counterproductive it is to be obsessed on something that it doesn't really have a great purpose. It just helps us clear our brain. So for some people, for everybody, we need to get out and walk our dog, personally or our physical dog. But we definitely need to make sure where our intention is coming from and we have to have better plans to have our per partners and loved ones help us see what realistic expectations are. That's why it's so great when fathers or mothers go to their, you know, go to their partner and they say, hey, listen, I noticed this about you. Let's try two choices. You can talk about it or you can just go have some time alone. That's the thing we talk about called the now or later. You talk about now or you don't have to talk about now, we can talk about later. Sometimes we just need to clean, and then afterwards, like, you know what, I'm good, I don't need to talk about it. That was a purpose. 
or sometimes we talk about it and we're like, you know, I don't need to clean now because I just need to get that off my chest. But we're not going to know which one until we have practice choosing day by day. Is this the right one? Is that the right one? If we have too much of a solid set structure that we have to live by, we're avoiding exposure to things that could create anxiety and frustration with us. And like I talked about on a previous podcast, when someone has post-traumatic stress disorder, the opposite is post-traumatic growth. You can't have post-traumatic growth unless you're experiencing some sort of familiarity or a familiar environment that is like the environment that you got traumatized in. So um, that's the one with the cleaning house. The other one that- add, I'm just gonna add this. Yeah, add a few so, things there, because I could talk about so much is, more. Which is interesting in, in my relationship, I'm a verbal processor. I don't know if you guys know that about me. <laughs> um, not so much a cleaning processor. Yeah, so in my marriage, poor Eric has got to just like, the dude is a champion listener, frankly. And one of the best things for our marriage. Could you imagine if he talked nonstop like you did? <laughs> That's like me and my wife. Like we're fighting each other just for like the limelight for a second oh, in our household. Man. Um, so several years ago, we purchased a hot tub that sits out in the backyard, right? And um, so we kind of have a habit a couple times a week is everybody's in bed and we go out to the hot tub and obviously there's no phones and it's dark and it's quiet and that's like nothing else happening and we get to just start talking and next thing you know it's been an hour and like heart rate <laughs> you, sh you shouldn't be not dead that long but I find that when there's not all those distractions and other things that you can be doing you actually can have important conversations. And I I say this all the time, I think that the hot tub has saved our marriage. Hot tub therapy. It, Basically. <laughs> so you might need one. Anyway, okay, so go on to the love thing, the, the love food thing. Yeah, the love food one, that's uh, a big one that just throughout the years. This is tough for me because I'm not a food person. I like, I don't like food. Well, I some- I like chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> uh, for many of our listeners, um, Food's kind of a thing. And, yeah, I was going to say, you don't like food. We'll, we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> There's other issues. Yeah, okay. the, the, yeah the, just not healthy food, right? <laughs> but, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> the good tasting food. No, food is a metaphor of love. Now, just think back. If you're Hispanic, quinceañeras. If you're Polynesian, luau's. Try going to a luau, a Mexican family's home, an African-American family's home. I'm just picking different cultures that are known for having Italians. Oh my gosh. Go to Sicily and see 20 people outside on a big table. And every time you turn around, turn a corner, there's like a piece of bread. Like there's food everywhere. Like you can walk through the house, there's food everywhere. So cultures, think about it when food is a resource that was so difficult for our ancestors to come by. If you broke bread, which is the saying with someone, that was a big deal to share food with someone. You're saying, I only have if this have much. Not, yeah. That was an expression of love because like we talked about it. I don't know if you remember this episode, if you're here or not, but Will Smith a long time ago said something on his Instagram thing that I thought was pretty cool. Someone asked him like, what's your definition of love? He's a love is help. Life's hard. I remember that. When you help people, that's, because there's tons of ways to help people. When you prepare food, you cook it all day long, like Polynesians or just anyone that, a well, feast, you think a family. About, you think about 
really Thanksgiving dinner a generation or two ago. Those vegetables came from your garden. Yeah. The wheat actually got grinded. Someone had to go hunt so that meat. Was some that meat did didn't get picked up right. at the grocery store. Right. So it took so much to put that food on the table. You weren't sharing that with people you did not love. Now, on the opposite end of it, all you moms out there, how does it make you feel when you create meals and people reject it? Man, I seriously hate it so much. Even even if they don't come when I say dinner's ready and people are not running to the table, it makes me furious. Because because the dinner now <laughs> I don't, I don't care what's going on, but it, it, this is just not happen. Well, that's why I was laughing a minute, Carol, because, you know, I, I'm not a food person. And then you just shared how you use food to try to show your love. <laughs> and when you don't get it, you feel pissed off and shame. Okay? Totally, I do. So it's you true. use it as a tool like everyone does. In my family growing up, my grandmother, very Samoan Hawaiian, it was a joke. I When I had friends that would come over, like to a family function, dinner, I'd go, okay, Here's something you got to realize because some of my friends didn't weren't raised around Polynesians. They're a little palangi, um, which just means white. Some that may, okay. <laughs> palangi means white. Anyways, so I would tell them to go first things first. See all the shoes when you walk in the door at my auntie's house because at my house we we're a little bit more white because it was you know, my grandfather's white. But when I bring them over like my other Polynesian family's house, here's take off your shoes. Number one, give a hug and a kiss on the cheek to any woman you see that's older than you. Number three, when they say, do you want to take food home after, well, number three, when they say, do you want more food? You say yes, even if you're still hungry. And then when you're leaving, when they say, do you want to take some food home? You say, yes, please. And you take as much as they hand you and you don't say that's enough or I've got plenty. If it's up to your head and you're holding it out the door, you take it home. Even if you throw it away at home, whatever it may be, because these people do not have a lot of money and they cooked this for days. It The prep started the day before from a clue of the pig. It's, if it's clue of pig, it's three days before at least. So they put in so much of this and they didn't have a lot. They're sharing resources. So if you do not accept their food, the big one at the end, you might as well just walked up and slapped their baby. <laughs> I'm not joking. You turn down food from my Polynesian, like from Polynesian families, they will look at you like that was a very disrespectful thing because you do not do that in that culture. It's just, it's not, you just can't do that in that culture because it means so much. Mm -hmm. That's how they express themselves. That's what they know they're good at. Polynesians, my family, talking, articulate, not so good. Cooking, dancing, football, (laughs) strong lifting things, really good. (laughs) Using words to express their inner feelings and processing, not really experts at that one. (laughs) Fighting, a little bit better at that one, at hitting people. No, I'm just saying, like the more of a warrior culture, you know, not the sewing culture. So- this was something that I had to teach my friends and they got full representation. Now look in your own personal lives. When you cook Thanksgiving dinner and it's at your house, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's not a small thing. When you have a Christmas dinner at your house, a birthday dinner, whatever it may be, you do not take that lightly. It might just be Sunday dinner. It might yeah. be Sunday dinner because there are people there that all have different places in their life, but we all have one thing in common. We need to eat. That is survival. So looking at food as a representation of love. For all you moms out there that get really butt hurt and upset because your kids do not say thank you and those types of things, 
I'm going to give you a couple suggestions because you should be upset because they just said, I don't love you in your DNA, your body saying they're telling me they don't love me. And that's not a good feeling, especially when you did everything that day for them. So a couple of things that have worked for parents when there's no cooking happening, when there's nothing going on, you can do it individually with your kids or you can do it collectively as a family. When there's a good moment, you want to share with them what I just said. But very short. Do not do this as a 30-minute conversation, guys. That's Please. really hard for me. I way, way too much. Everything is a 30-minute conversation. Kind of <laughs> like do a lot of revisions before you talk to your kids about this. But simply, in your own words, put this to them. You know, just I'll make this really short. just want to tell you guys something. just want to let you guys know that for me, when I cook for you and food, whether I'm good at it or not, it's a representation. Like I, That's how I show my love. So like communicating my love to you. Sometimes I don't show it in the way that you want it. But just let you guys know when I make you a dinner, when I make you a meal, even if you don't love it, even if it's not your preference, be kind and considerate because I'm telling you I love you. And if you say, oh, I didn't really like it, that's how it's making me feel, that you don't really like me. And you can, for example, if you you know got a birthday present for your friend, gave it to them, they didn't even text you and say thank you, You'd be hurt by that because that was an expression of your love to them. But food, you don't have to get into everything I told them, but food is very personal to me. If you are from a culture, specifically an ethnic background culture, your kids will definitely know how important it is because they were raised that way. But if they're not from that, you just need to let them know that that is how you want to show love to them and to be soft and kind with you. Now, if they're rude and they're going, we don't really like it, mom, say, okay, um, can you guys do me a favor? Maybe even afterwards, you don't have to address them. You don't want to call the kids out front. Just pull them aside and say, hey, remember when I talked about the whole entire food love thing? And they go, oh yeah, sorry. Because they don't really mean to hurt your feelings. They're just spouting off, no filter, right? Say, just do me a favor. If you don't like my food, just say, mom, that was so great that you took the time to make this meal for us. We really appreciate it. We love it. And you know, cause you, mom's going to know if it's good or not. Cause sometimes it's your meal, but you screwed up. Like you, you know, left it too long, whatever. So that's how you get better as a parent, taking people, accepting your love at different levels. Cause not everybody's going to accept it at the same level, but it also gives your kids a chance to see you being vulnerable and then being able to filter some of their words because they don't mean to hurt your feelings and you don't mean to be offended, but it happens when you look at food as love and you see that that's what it is. When I go to restaurants and I see that and people are like, what do you want this, whatever, they have no love. And that food is not being cooked with love. It's not being served with love. So I don't really want to go back to that restaurant. It's so important when you feel, when someone's catering to your food, like, oh my, saw, oh my gosh, we overcooked that for you. Let's get that back. When people are on that, it's not about good service. It's about them making you feel that that's a place that has love in it. The best restaurants out there it's the environment, the customer service, the food, it all has to come together because that's like going to someone's house, they gave you a great meal, but they're giving it to you on dirty dishes. <laughs> I have to share just a quick story. This, this is making me think, it's kind of making me think of it, is that um, when I was talking to, so, so it was a few months ago, and Eric, hopefully you won't mind me sharing this. So you're um, actually gonna ask him permission for once? Well, continue <laughs> <laughs> he i mean it, it's kind it's kind of like you know just a blanket sorry everyone yeah but um so a few months ago eric's having some health issues that frankly i was concerned about not that i don't have health in issues i do 
But I was kind of feeling We're not like, talking about yours right no, now. No, right? This isn't about me. <laughs> it's about Eric right now. But I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> we're not getting any younger. And I still, like, I still want life. And so we got to get, we got to, I, I clearly need to focus because I saw him just not being his best. And I, I wanted, I wanted to help somehow. Um, I felt like some of his health issues were having negative effect on me as well. So I made this decision and this took me like a month and I did some research on food. This is when we did the keto diet actually. And I made a plan. I bought the food and for about two months, I made three meals a day. Sometimes I was making two or three meals at a time. So yeah, remember, I, you looked really tired those months. <laughs> no kidding, right? Thank you for noticing. Yeah. Anyway, um, I was, and I'm not, like, cooking doesn't come easy. It doesn't bring me joy, really. I don't think our relationship has ever been better. Hmm. And he was, like, thanking me because I was going out of my way. And I was having to stay up a little later or get up a little earlier or make things happen. And actually, then I was like, okay, I need you to grill this and I need you to cook this. And I'm not going to be home. So can you put this in the oven and this and that? And, and he was. And he was super helpful. He also, he lost a bunch of weight, which made him feel awesome. And he felt better. And some of these health issues really started turning around. And the keto diet's no joke, man. It'll blow your mind it, how fast it'll take away your aches and pains. It really has. And he has done like an awesome job of staying, sticking to it. And, and I'm not cooking every meal. And it's the hardest diet too. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Gets easier. It's hard to start. talk about yeah. this because our relationship was really like it really improved our relationship and i didn't i don't know if i really thought about it i mean everybody's happy when they lose some weight right uh, but well it depends on how they lost it but <laughs> the anxiety true, diet true, is not always true. gonna make people happy anyway that that just kind of made me well you made a perfect connection with that is love being a metaphor like food being a metaphor of love well, think what you're doing. You were planning to give him love three so times a day. it's not necessarily just cookies, right? No. Like you don't just have to make people cookies for them to feel That's love. That's coddling. <laughs> <laughs> cookies equal coddling. Well, one cookie is oh, love. I totally... Over three cookies is coddling. <laughs> A little yeah. too much love. But no, you're right. Think Confession. about that. Like, Okay, and please, if anyone out there is really into a lot of social political movements, that's not what I'm about to be talking about. I'm talking about historical, biological history of our ancestors. Men got the food. Women prepared it. It was a system and it was a business. I mean, not a business, but it was a constant process and system. They would get it. They would skin the coats for blankets, take the meat. So the women broke it all down, especially in my culture, the Polynesian culture, to watch the men go out and kill a pig, bring it back and to see the women prep everything. It's a perfect partnership. But the men knew when they got home from hunting, they were tired. So the women would give them food to rejig generalize themselves so think about a man's brain okay we all know how complex not a man's brain is that was a joke <laughs> tired give him food gets food thankful 
looking at the wife, you know, in this traditional setting, wow, they did that for me and I was too tired to make it for myself. They're helping me in interpretation. They love me. Now the woman, the man comes home. She's like, I don't want to go out there and fight bears and mountain lions and wolves. I'd rather stay here by the teepee and cook and sew because that's what I'm good at. That's what it's just, that's the balance. It's like their, their natural symbiotic nature. Then the man comes home with the food. She's so happy to see him to be safe. The arguments they had a week ago before he went on the hunt, you forget about that because you're so worried that they're going to die that when they come home, they're happy to see him. Boom, here's some food, this and that, we'll prepare it. This was this natural reward system that our brain over time, this is basic cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, I mean, not therapy, but it's cognitive behavioral. It's like you do something, you expose yourself to something difficult, you get a reward. That's like your kids. You do your chores, you get a reward. You do this, you get a reward. And that's what we're back on the system. It's so important, regardless what your family looks like, the family system. I know we talk about the traditional, but I work in the LGBT community. I know it's partners, same sex part, whatever it is, there's going to be people that have to play those roles. Right. I've never met a relationship where they play the exact same role. The the women that I've counseled, uh, same sex partnership relationships, one kind of resembled more of the hunter and one resembled more of the preparer. I wouldn't say it's a male female role. Just traditionally, those were the people that played that roles. Right. Unless you're I in the that. Amazon, I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. Those women was out there slaying beasts out there in the Amazon. So what we're looking at right now is. We're going back to something that's just so inside of our nature. You want to share the food with your kids and your husband, and he wants to feel like he's deserving of that when he comes home. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I I think that the biggest thing that that I I thought that would would be important for this podcast episode conversation is to be aware. This is like one of those awareness tools. Conversation spark. Huh, that's interesting. Right? So if we start to think about... And, and the last thing I'd like you to t- touch on just in the last five minutes here is the difference between using any of these things, whether that's um, food or the cleaning or, you know, whatever, as a coping mechanism versus actually... <laughs> being productive with this information. Just see what I'm saying? Well, see what I'm asking? Yeah. And Translate you, my question. <laughs> well, first of all, you have to understand where your intention's coming from. Are you doing this to avoid something, to cope with something instead of facing it? And also on top of it, you have to be able to communicate why you're doing the things you're doing. So if you can't say why you are, what you're trying to accomplish by cleaning at night. Because or it's, why a noble, it's a noble thing to want your house to be clean. Exactly. And to want it to be safe and but to he, want people to feel comfortable. But here's what it looks like to your, your partner and your kids. You look like a crazy person because they don't know why you're doing that. They don't know why you get so pissed off because they're like, mom, I don't like hamburgers and you made it. So it was all right. They don't understand why that hurts. They think that that's ridiculous that you get so offended of it because they told you they don't like that. They don't understand. It's a metaphor or something. It's not about the actual meal. I mean, granted, good food's good food. You're going to like that better. But what's the message? What's the message in the meal? The meal message is I want to help you. I love you. Not I want you to tell me I'm good at cooking. The good at cooking, that's just a bonus. You just want to be seen, heard, and acknowledged for your efforts. But when people hear it like that, they go, oh, mom or dad's not a crazy person. They just have something that's really important to them. That people can buy. 
They can't buy, why the heck you clean at night? Why you care so much like to have us home at six o'clock? Because people that force, okay, I don't wanna get too deep waters. Be really careful not to be too rigid with your family structure. So many people overcorrect from their past lives and they say, we're gonna have dinner at six, our kids have to be time at seven. And if it doesn't happen like that and you're at their house, you're like, it's uncomfortable being around people. Like they have to be in bed at 7.15. We have to have dinner at 5.15. Everybody's sitting at the table. Nobody feels comfortable around that because it's an overcorrection to the extreme. So be really careful that when you're expressing your language of love of cleaning or food that you're a little bit flexible with people. Otherwise, they're not gonna get why you want it to be clean or why you're sharing the food. They're just gonna get that you're stressed out, you're freaking out, and if they don't do it the way you want it to do it, then something's wrong with them. And that's not the message. This is a huge disconnect in so many parents, their kids, and so many partners and in relationships, just not knowing why they're doing it and where this in, where this purpose comes from human beings in the first place. So if you can get to a place where these conversations, money is a hard conversation. I, I, don't, I don't care who you're having it with. It's a hard conversation. Um, your home and food, these are things that are making the world go round in our homes. They're and telling essential. someone you don't They're trust essential. them does not help build trust. <laughs> so if you explain this to your partner and your spouse, say, hey, listen, money, trust, so I feel like you don't trust me. Or if you're the person that doesn't trust your partner, you should go to them and confess, hey, listen, you know that me having this control of the money makes you feel bad. Well, I found out it makes you feel like I don't trust you. No one's gonna disagree with you. If you, if your person feels like your partner does not trust you with money, you feel like they don't trust you. So if you can acknowledge that, that I actually do struggle with trust with you because of past things, however, that's a problem. But you have to get past that. You have to say, all right, I can't just start trusting you overnight. But at the same time, I can't stay in this place where I'm never gonna trust you again and always bring up your past because that's not gonna help the relationship move forward. Okay. Having those conversations of why you're this way, what your intention was and what you need to work on makes it a whole lot easier for that person to understand, get what you're, what you're trying to accomplish, and then they could possibly share what they're feeling and their intentions. It's a great way to have conversations for solutions versus just saying, I can't trust you or you don't like my meal. Because that's stuff that we hear, it seems so petty, like, what's wrong with you? Get over it and like your meal. Oh, wait, I told you I didn't love you. Ooh, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you guys are anything like me or anything like every single person at our workshop, you might be just kind of feeling like that brain bomb right now. Like, oh, maybe things are starting to fall into place. And, and those are the three big metaphors. There's other ones, but those are the three big ones. The food, the safety, and the trust. Because those are the three things that make your world go around. Your house, your money, and food. Because you need all those to survive. Food, shelter, love. Food, shelter, love. There you go. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for spewing all that. Spewing. Spewing and spewing. Well, um, thank you, too, for uh, bringing the topic to discussion because Heidi's got her finger on the pulse of all you listeners out there. Well, Me, I have really to lock myself in my office and talk to people about this stuff all day. So when I pull my head out, <laughs> Heidi's like, okay, here's what people need to hear. I'm like, all right, because I don't know anything when I'm in when I'm in the laboratory. I don't know what's going on the outside world. I can't, you know, well, be in tune we with have things. Well, we have to be honest with ourselves that when the relationship between ourselves and our partner sucks, 
It's not going to help the relationship with the kids. And if you say, I don't trust you because of these reasons and that's a problem and I need to work on that, that's not an argument. That's a statement. That's a statement. And again, try being agreeable, telling people what they already think and you're acknowledging that and them arguing with you. It's not going to happen. Try arguing with someone who's being agreeable with you. <laughs> it's a very yeah. short argument. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're actually validating what you're saying. And it's, you guys, it's so worth it to work on these relationship matters. It's so worth it because the benefits are huge. And I think that we can all relate to having a relationship that's not functional. Having some function happen, even if it happens in slow, steady increments, it just makes your life better. Yeah. You know, so, so good. So, you know, it's funny. I gotta say something. I just thought about this since my mom passed away. I haven't tried to get any of her recipes that I grew up as a kid eating. And uh, I'm actually gonna call my sister and get some of those recipes because I really miss her love. That was the one thing that I always knew from my mom, regardless of all of her challenges and struggles, she showed me so much love with food. I mean, I'd be done with the basketball game, out traveling somewhere, and she bought my favorite burrito from the burrito place, wrapped them in aluminum foil, kept it warm, and after the game, all my friends are starving, waiting to go to some crappy Denny's, and I'm sitting here eating a big old fat carne asada, and they're like, can I have a bite? I'm like, no. So <laughs> I just, it made me think about that. I'm, I'm gonna go cook that. some of her meals, because I gotta keep that love going on too. I love that. Even though her, her meals aren't really great for my diet. <laughs> I can have, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Hey, you got to put it, you're going to be able to put it all back on, I need a big right? old Polynesian cheat meal. That's what I need after Saturday. I'm going to go hard. <laughs> That'll make you feel sick. I, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't jump. Yeah, that good idea, so. Oh, you guys, thank you for joining us as always. Um, this, this last few weeks has been a time of a lot of you sharing um, our message and getting the word out about our podcast. And we just, we really appreciate it. Yeah, our downloads are going up. Everything's, I mean, like going up at like, it always slowly goes up, but now it's like ooh, a little yeah. bit faster. So we got to so get our crap together, you. Heidi. Because <laughs> like this may turn we into we a business actually, someday. We got to actually try hard. This may turn into a business. <laughs> um, we, we do this because we know how I do this. I come here because I know how valuable it is. Um, I'm sure that David, he does it so he gets a paycheck. <laughs> got me. I'm so much more noble you than got me. No, By the I'm way, where even... is my paycheck? I'm still <laughs> waiting on that paycheck. Right? Right? I know. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Broken promises, Heidi. You guys can Venmo Dave. Cause <laughs> Tough. Um, Don't Venmo. <laughs> anyway, um, we really appreciate you amplifying our message in whatever way that you do that whether that's just to your friends and family that you chat with whether it's on your social media um thank you for helping us to light the fight
save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save 